Are you cold? Am I cold? Yeah. No, nah, I feel good. Oh, well, you are you, bam, we're live. Woo! We did it. God, today I'm just uh, uh, frantic, 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 Sevy. Hi, Caleb. Good morning. Oh, Caleb, your your internet's all busted up. And we have an echo. Oh, much better. Hey, do you have a YouTube window open, Tyson? Do I have a YouTube window open? Yeah. Just because I hear a tiny, tiny little echo. What about now? Oh, yeah, better. All right. Ah, no. Maybe it's on my fault. Maybe because look at Caleb's. uh, Caleb, did you guys get bombed? No, we did not. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to uh, pull you down, Caleb, until your connection gets better. You're, something's up. Can you see me good, Tyson? I can see you perfectly fine. Awesome. Um, and you're in West Virginia? Yes. It's not cold? Uh, it's cold as shit. Yeah, it's really cold. Outside, it's freezing. Outside, it's freezing. Hey, don't swear. Your dad's going to get me in big trouble. He says I'm a bad <laughs> influence on you. He said, I'm a, he, he said you're the perfect child. And when you when you get around me, shit gets weird. Oh darn it! I just did it. Yeah, just like he's the per- just like he's the perfect dad. He is the perfect dad. How dare you? Um, holy cow! Has it been a year since I've talked to you? It's been just over just over a year since uh since we did this uh, last time. I can't believe it. You look exactly the same. You're not aging. Yeah, I got a little. My hair's a little bit shorter this time, but everything else pretty much the same. Um, you, uh, for, for people who don't know, and, and probably most people do know, I'm probably one of the few knuckleheads who doesn't have very good, uh, football knowledge. Uh, you just finished your senior year at Shepherdstown, right? Yes. And you passed the all time NCAA touchdown passing record for all divisions. Yes. I, I can't, I can't even believe I, I get a chance to talk to someone like you. What a, how much, it's just crazy how much hard work everyone knows you had to put into your life to, to, to get to that. Does it seem like hard work to you or is it just your life? Um, it's definitely hard work, although, I mean, it is my life. Um, but the, the whole record thing is pretty crazy because I just constantly was, would just think about um, all the college quarterbacks there's ever been. Like every NFL quarterback played college football you know, so many years of football. And then for me to be at the top of uh, that list statistically is um, really cool to think about. When I was talking to your dad, I'm like, Hey, is he tripping? Is he like walking around the house, tapping on shit and acting all weird? He goes, no, dude, this dude is cool as a cucumber. I'm like, no signs. He's like, no, nothing. No, Um, I, I, uh, we had it. We had a, uh, there was only one little one moment where, um, he was just talking a little bit too crazy. And I just looked at him in the kitchen. I was like, Hey, listen, you know, as the, uh, <laughs> as the, as the touchdown King, you know, I, you know, I really appreciate if you didn't talk to me like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you cool as a cucumber? Do you like, so it's the final game. It's, 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 uh, what did it happen in the final game that you played of your college career? No. So it happened in the second to last in the second. So in the regional championship, we lost to the team and we got to play him again deep in the playoffs. And oh, then, you lost to him the year prior? No, we lost to him about four weeks prior. Oh, and then we're, holy and then, cow! Yeah, so then we were able to get a rematch, and then I did it in that game. So it was pretty. It was it was very cool. And when you go into that game, do you um, do you have any like 
panic attack might be too strong, but do you feel heart flutters and anxiety or anything out of the normal? Um, nothing out of the normal. I would say that before every single game I ever played in, I feel like I want to die, like just from how anxious I am. But I feel like that, that in itself is what, um, I feel like kind of bring, rises me to the occasion and kind of helps me play good. Cause you know, I'm actually terrified. So it kind of just helps me play fast and, uh, do what I have to do. Um, when I, when I used to, uh, I would, I'd be filming with Matt Fraser right before he would take the floor. That was the CrossFit games champion five times. Yep. And, uh, literally they'd be in the corral right before they would come out into this pack stadium. And he would literally like have be in the bushes making like vomiting sounds. I never saw vomit come out, but that was like, he looked, I don't know if he looked forward to it, but that was his protocol right yeah. before he would take the floor. Uh, what is that? You Is, is that what it was like for you too? You like, you almost feel like you're going to throw up. Yeah. It's almost like it means it's just like, what you're doing kind of means so much and the amount of work that you put into it, it would just be, it would feel like the end of the world. If it, if, if, you know, if it weren't to go as planned um, or if, you know, you didn't succeed in some, in some fashion. So I think that's, has a lot to do with it. People are saying I have an echo. Sevon, you have an echo. I know. What is that? 700 shows and no echo. And all of a sudden I got Tyson Bajan on here and echo. That's that West, that West Virginia connection. I, I, I wish I could blame you. <laughs> Here, here we go. Matt Morrison, I throw up before every Sevon podcast. That's <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to drop out for a second and see if I log back in. Give me one second. Okay. Don't, don't panic. This is way easier than a football game. <laughs> now you get to be here by yourself. <laughs> oh man. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Glad to have you on. Appreciate it. What's it you stepping up, Caleb? It's it's better now. It's fine. Thank you, Matt, executive producer of the Seven Podcast. Matt Souza chimes in. Now it's fine. Okay, there we go. So, so when you when you do that, uh, I'm assuming that's just adrenaline ramping up. Yes, yes, I'd say adrenaline. Just kind of um, what's that? Kind of what was at stake? Especially, it was a little more amplified this year, just because of. You know, in order for me to do what I wanted to do, you know, this this year coming, um, I knew I had to be successful and execute at a pretty high level uh, throughout the season this year. Um, so all that, you know, combined with, you know, obviously wanting to win the game and having, you know, thousands of people watching you, I think it all just plays a part in the nerves pregame. Do, do you have an adrenaline dump during the first quarter or any time during the game or do you just stay up the whole game? Now, I would honestly say that throughout the week, probably, so if we're playing on Saturday, probably around Wednesday night is when I'm like, start really, when I start feeling it, and then it kind of just stays that way until Saturday. But then usually once we get on the field, like pregame, if we're, once we're warming up and I get to throw the ball a couple times, uh, just warming up, it usually uh, tends to calm down a little bit. And then about 15 minutes before the game, you know, there's just, there's so much waiting involved, you know, especially if you play at noon, you start getting ready for the game at like eight in the morning. So for whatever, for whatever reason, people do that, you know, four hours prior to the game. Um, it's just a lot of waiting and a lot of anticipation. And I think um, that's when I kind of have, you know, the adrenaline dump, I would say probably about 15 minutes when we're just sitting there waiting. Is there, do you um, feel a different Tyson 
um, like the Tyson who just gets up in the morning, um, you know, gives his mom a kiss, goes down to the store, buys milk, comes back, you know, whatever, hangs out, makes your bed. Do you feel a a different Tyson show up? And do you are you intimately familiar with that guy? Like when you're on the um, on the field? Uh, yeah, I would say it's definitely uh, a different a different Tyson. I think we talked about this last time I was on, but you know, just being. Um, not, I wouldn't say shy, but just kind of, you know, to myself an introverted, um, outside of football. And then once, you know, you get to step on the football field, uh, be able to let loose. And then, um, yeah, I really kind of let a lot of my emotions and, um, a lot of my, my volume definitely goes up when I'm on the field, just talking wise and just trying to lead a team, um, to win definitely a different side of me comes out. How, do you have to summons that guy and has a game ever started and you're like, Oh shit, Tyson, where are you? Come on. I need you. You know? Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, I would say I put a lot of emphasis on trying to be, uh, trying to get as much, you know, big or little success early on in the game as I can. Cause I feel like that'll help me, you know, as well as the, the team kind of getting a rhythm and then getting that, you know, flow state where everything's kind of clicking and then you kind of play more loosely and, you know, kind of just be more of an athlete as opposed to just trying to, you know, trying to be perfect. So it's kind of like if you were a fighter, you're you're not walking out there and maybe you're trying to get some punches in. You're trying to get some jabs in. You're trying to get some good footwork going. Yeah, I would say you want to you want to get some you want to get some of that going. And also it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to get maybe get tagged a couple of times. Um, oh, so you, to wake you just, up. Yeah, just so you can get you can be fully in it. Wow. Yeah. And that's interesting. That's exactly what fighters say too. Hey, it always kind of takes getting hit once or twice to kind of wake the guy up inside of you. Yeah. Just to get kind of acclimated to what's going on. Uh, Colin Lawrence already attacking me this morning for four ninety nine. game day equivalent for you. Seven when you call Dave and he actually answers nervous, but excited. All right. Thank you. <laughs> I think he's referencing Dave Castro. Uh, um, when you, uh, you, so, so if you get on the field at eight, have you eaten yet? Um, so it was funny. I kind of, I had a different approach to that, uh, this year. So, um, last winter I got into, um, fasting and stuff. So I would, I would, um, eat normally, uh, throughout the week. And then on Sundays I would not eat all day. And then, so in the season, it was kind of hard to do that just because of team meals and everything. So, on game day, just because with how um, and game how days good. on Saturday, the day before game your day, fast. Game day. So game days on Saturday, but we would always have team meals on Sunday. So I couldn't take advantage of that, um, that full fasting day. And I always knew how amazing I felt, you know, deep into Sunday, as well as Monday morning before I ate. So um, I tested it out early on, like the first game, and I played in a fasted state. And then I kind of just continued that um, throughout the season. So it, it helped that we were playing at noon. Like we weren't playing in like late afternoon games. So I wasn't really hungry enough that it was a distraction. Um, and really before games, you know, I'm so caught up in thinking about the game that, you know, kind of wanting to eat anything was kind of on the back burner. So I would just make sure I drank a lot of water. I would drink coffee, make sure I use the bathroom before the game. And then, um, usually after the game, you know, they hook us up uh, food wise. So then I would just, I would eat after the game. Wow. So although Sunday was your fasting day during the season, you on Saturdays, you would, pl you wouldn't eat until after the game was over. You'd wake up and yeah, just so I would coffee. 
Yeah, so I would I would fast from Friday at around noon um, until um, Saturday uh, after our noon game. Did that cause any concern for your coaches? Were people like, "Yo, dude, you can't do that"? And, and do you know anyone <laughs> else who does that? I mean, that's a pretty big tweak. I mean, I yeah. I, I approve. There's a, t- a ton of of cha- champion fighters in the UFC who uh, do their first training every morning hard. Uh, you know, completely fasted. Yeah, I, I mean, it was it's it's one of those things like because I would say that there's been a couple things I, I've, I've changed within the last year that, you know, I think I'll continue to do for the rest of my life. It's, uh, fasting. Um, I started getting in cold water and then, um, just consistently, uh, getting into the sauna. Um, and all three of those things, you get like the, I guess not, not the normal person, but just a person who's not used to, you know, going out of the box like that would be quick to be like, uh, you know, don't do that. So I kind of, I just would tell my close buddies who kind of knew, um, who I had, you know, at least had them at least done a fast with me or, you know, done crazy stuff like that with me. And I would let them in on it, but I would never tell my coaches just cause I mean, they're, you know, all they know is, you know, eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, that's what everybody does. That's what normal people do. So I just kind of kept it to myself until the end of the season. I kind of let everybody in. I was like, yeah, listen, I've been doing this all year and we've been killing it. So I really don't want to hear, you know, what anybody has to say about it. How, um, uh, how did that creep into your mind between your junior and senior year to, to use fasting as a tool? Um, so I started, I think I was listening to you on a, on a podcast or on a video. And I think you, you were, I had already heard about it a couple of times and I had a couple uh, people right, not in my circle, but, you know, right outside of my circle, um, kind of comment about it. So I was interested in it. And then you, you brought up, I think you said you do like a 36 hour. Yeah. I'm old though. I'm 50. Like, yeah. So, I, yeah. so it was one of, it was, yeah, it was one yeah, of, I don't need any Sundays. I don't ever eat Sunday. Yeah, it was one of those, uh, it was one of those things where it was just like, seemed like a cool thing to at least try. Um, so I started doing it, um, I actually, I started doing it before last year. I did it. I would do Saturday at noon to Sunday at noon, just seeing how it worked. And I noticed how, um, how, you know, obviously I'm not starving. I ate throughout the week, but how hard it was and kind of just like the, the, just the attic feel of just wanting to eat. Like once you get uncomfortable, just like, man, like in order to feel uncomfortable, I feel like I need to eat, but really I don't need to eat. So it was just something that really, uh, interested me. And then, the football season happened. I didn't do it at all last football season. And then I kind of got back on the train a couple months after the season. Um, and then I just, I, I didn't stop and um, just continuing to just, you know, research it and just understand the benefits of it. Uh, it really just seemed like a no brainer uh, to continue it. Um, how old are you? Uh, 22. Um, fasting is like doing some like major tinkering, right? Uh, we're all like our own personal laboratories and we got to try stuff, right? Like what's it like drinking 12 glasses of water a day versus four versus fasting Mm -hmm. versus if I run every day and you're a tinkerer already. I mean, I don't know. I can't think of any kids who at 22 years old would already start tinkering, but you, it sounds like your dad told me that you got a slack block and and you just became obsessed with that thing too. You're just, do you view yourself like that? It's kind of like a laboratory and you need to test things out. Yeah. And also just like, some, yeah, just trying things. And then if they work and it makes sense, I just, 
I don't see a reason to to not do it, especially, um, yeah, if it works. Like, so I just continue to do it. If it's going to have, you know, healthy benefits on my body, um, I just see no reason not to do it. Yeah, the slack box is pretty, uh, slack box is a crazy thing though. Cause like the image of it, it's like, I bring it out in front of my buddies and I'm telling them all the, at first I would tell them all the benefits of it. Like, yo, this thing, you know, it's going can do this, can do this, help you with this, help you with that. And then I bring it out and it's like a piece of wood on top of a pool noodle. And they're like, <laughs> right, right. They're like, what do you, what do you mean? But then they get on it for two minutes and then they realize from their ankle to their butt is lit up. Um, so yeah, that's been a, that's been a really cool, uh, addition to kind of what I do on a daily basis. And I think it's, um, you know, definitely done a lot of helping rather than hurting. So can once again, just continue to do it. Is there, is there anything, so, so I guess food is one of the things, um, not eating, uh, on Saturdays, but is there anything else that you've done that you, that you let go to the wayside that you're like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. I don't think that's helping anything stand out. Um, I mean, yeah, just a, a, a tiny example, something that comes to my mind. Um, uh, when I was young, like when I was younger, like early college years, I would do a lot of my, um, quarterback like training, so to speak would be a lot more, it was a lot more footwork oriented rather than just being athletic and working on, you know, my throwing technique. And then I quickly realized that, you know, the footwork side is not nearly as important as the amount of emphasis I was putting on it, as opposed to just being able to move quick laterally and be able to be fast and be able to throw the ball off of any platform. So then I quickly was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm done doing that. Um, and then just kind of train, change the way that I uh, train, you know, quarterback wise. So basically just move the percentages around. So like if, exactly, if you're in the yeah. weight room 40% of the time and you realize you don't need that much, reduce that to 30% and then increase throwing another where you have the extra time and just keep, keep kind of moving those numbers around. Yeah. And it's also, you know, you bring up weightlifting, like any type of heavy upper body lift, like upper body, you know, I'm 95% of it is pull-ups, push-ups and dips. Like other than that, I, there's no reason. And I, I kind of noticed this before coaches began telling me, um, like there's no need for me to try to bench a bunch of weight and there's no need, there's no need for me to do anything to my upper body. That's going to, you know, promote, you know, stiffness in my upper half. Cause, um, you know, just being able to be loose and, you know, feel good in your upper half, uh, as well as being powerful in your lower half, I think, uh, has helped me be able to throw the ball at the level that I've been able to. So just exiting all that stuff early on too. Tyson, is there a, um, you know, you hear about these people who have these stories where they're like, uh, yeah, my third grade teacher told me I'll never amount to anything. Or, you know, someone's a, a girlfriend broke up with them, you know, a, a girl in the fifth grade told them they were ugly and they become a supermodel. Is there anything that you, you remember in your youth that was the sort of the catalyst. Maybe it's nothing negative like this, but had you set the goalpost so far away um, as the NFL? I mean, it is a really ridiculous goalpost to set. Or did you ever have anyone tell you, "Hey, dude, you'd be realistic. Come on." Um, not. I don't have like a defining moment where somebody uh, did that to me. I do remember being around 
nine or 10 years old. And I was at my grandma's house and we were all hanging out and I was kind of just off wandering around by myself. And I was, it, it finally clicked where I was like, oh man, like this football thing is kind of unrealistic. And it like, there's a very high chance that it doesn't work out. So like, what in the world else would I want to do? And I had, it was the first time I had the thought of like football, maybe not working out as like my whole life. Um, so that would, that, that was just, that's just a funny thing that I remember. But I mean, other than that, I mean, you mean just football. like I, I've been to your grandparents' house and, and it's kind of is out in this, well, at least for us California people, it is kind of yeah. out in the sticks. So you're just out in the middle of the woods, some quiet yeah, time just, walking was, around was, out there at nine. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's in the back of the house. She had a pool uh, in the house they used to live in. Um, so everybody's kind of swimming. I was done swimming. I'm wandering around, I guess, you know, just, yeah, just wandered around in the front of the yard by myself. And I had that first thought and I, it was just like, I kind of stopped in my tracks. I was like, wow, I never thought about it like this. This might not work out. What in the world else would I want to do? Um, so I've always kind of had from that point on kind of obviously thought about it in a more realistic sense, but just always was patient enough and knew what I had to be good at in order to put myself in the best situation possible. Um, and then, I mean, football is such a crazy sport with so many crazy fans. Like I th this year I threw, there was one game I threw for 500 yards, which is crazy, which is pretty ridiculous. And my buddy is saying that in like the third quarter that there was some fan that was like, um, Oh, well, you know, I, I heard we had the best quarterback in the nation. I'm just trying to figure out where he's at. <laughs> and at that point I've, I've thrown for almost 400 yards and i'm just like thinking like man you can't really please any of these crazy people so um yeah i would say i didn't have any of that in my youth at least not to my face um but you know as of you know being a football player i don't think it'll ever go away and your mom your mom and dad never were like hey you need to have a plan b well you did graduate yes i graduated last may yeah, congratulations. But w w they were never like, "Hey, uh, Tyson, uh, you got to have a plan B. The football thing is just a, a pipe dream." And nah, I mean, my dad's pretty crazy. Um, so no, he never said that to me. And then my mom was just super supportive um, of me, you know, throughout you know my entire life. So um, they never they never put that on me. But I was always I was always you know I wasn't like I feel like that's a conversation you have with a, with somebody when you can kind of see the trajectory of their life, maybe not going in the best direction. And I was always kind of just pretty level-headed and, uh, like a, just a aware person that, you know, understood things. So there wasn't really anything that they felt like pressure to be like, Hey man, you need to, you know, get, get your shit straight. So it was, they never really had to have that conversation. Any, any, um, between when was your first football game you ever played? Do you remember that? Well, my first year I was so terrible. So I, I, how really old were you? I was six. I was six. So I, I grew up when, when, yeah, I grew up when they were putting pads and stuff on six year olds and then throwing us out there. But, um, yes, yeah, so I remember dad, I came to a couple of your practices when I was filming the movie, pulling John with your dad. And I couldn't believe the size discrepancy between the kids and some of the kids, would get just drilled. Yeah. And it's that weird, it's that weird, like, like youth league is that weird. Um, it's a weird thing to where, um, yes, when you, there's a six and seven year old division, you know, everybody's relatively small, you know, you got a few kids that are more athletic, but then you start getting eight, nine, 10 and 11. And then all of a sudden it's like the heights change. 
and kids start getting just beat on by these kids that are growing up faster than other ones. And, um, luckily for me, I was always pretty, um, I was always pretty, I was on the bigger side of the kids. So it worked out for me, but I could easily see where, you know, if a kid has a, has a late growth spurt that they could already, their parents could have already yanked them out years prior, just cause they were getting pounded on, um, by kids that were bigger than them. So, so if you started when you were six and you were nine and you were already thinking, you wow, I, I might not, you know, my word's not yours. I might not go to the NFL. Somewhere in between six and nine, you started feeling, I, I guess, the dream form. Yeah. So luckily for me, my father was crazy enough to be the head coach of my team and put me at quarterback before I even deserved to play quarterback. So you can easily see where the other parents on the team are like, man, what are you like? This is crazy. You know, what are you doing? Coach's son, this and that. My, you know, my dad, he was just like, you know, F you. I don't care. We're going to put him at quarterback because I want him to play quarterback. And right. Y'all just got y'all just got to deal with it. Uh, so um, my set when I came back from my seven year old season, I was, you know, acclimated to, you know, all the hitting and everything. So I was a lot more comfortable and we actually threw the ball um, a little bit. My seven-year-old season had a good year. And then from that point on, we we continued to throw the ball. Um, and I was pretty good at it, which, you know, from at a young age, you're getting good. You, you know, you're good at something. Your family's happy with how you're performing at something. And then you fall in love with it. So that's kind of what happened to me. And never between then and your in, – in current time, you were like, man – this is my dad's dream. I don't want to do this. I want, I just want to be an accountant or I want to be a landscaper. No, no I would say, no, I would say my dad introduced it to me at the age where I like my six year old season. If I would have had it my way, I never would have played football again. I hated it. It was the worst thing ever. You know, my mom was on the same page as me. Like this is, you know, this is a terrible thing. Um, so he introduced it to me, got over it, had success at it, started to like it. And then around middle school, you know, he wasn't my coach anymore. And I was playing a lot of basketball and I really liked basketball. Um, and then thankfully, um, thankfully I moved to Martinsburg, um, cause where I was from the, the programs, especially, you know, football wise were atrocious. Um, so I would have just been taking a beating every week. And I knew that, you know, football wouldn't have been fun if that, if that was, you know, happening just cause it's such a team sport. You need, you know, you need guys around you. Um, so I went to Martinsburg my freshman year. I was like, on the freshman team, you know, just an afterthought with ever starting on varsity. Luckily I had a growth spurt. And then I would say it be, it became my, my goal and my dream, my sophomore year. Um, the coaches allowed me to, uh, win over the, the starting job and then having success on, on the varsity team or on the JV team, the varsity team. So wow. I, yeah, so yeah, it was a big jump. Um, and the coaches, I mean, I can't thank the coaches at, you know, my high school enough because we had a seat, we had a quarterback who started on the varsity um, the year before that. And they still let a, they still allowed for me to, you know, have a, to battle for the starting job. Um, and then when you're at a young age and you're having success with older guys, it was like, holy, like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever been a part of in my life. I can't wait to do this again next year. Uh, so that's when I kind of became obsessed with it and kind of began to, you know, kind of work on my own and, you know, research into it and find out ways to get better. And then to this point now. 
So, so th- th- your sophomore year was the year the tinkering started. Like, hey, football season's over, or um, practice is over, but I'm going to come home and research something. I'm going to stu- study route patterns. I'm going to study different workout techniques. I'm going to start studying uh, different ways to heal. That's when that started happening. Yeah, and it also started like, like I also started to view other things with how can this benefit me for football. So I wasn't playing basketball just because oh I can't I want to you know get buckets and. And, you know, I can't wait to win games with my team. It was like, no, nah, I can utilize basketball so that I can be in better shape for football or to keep me in shape in a fun way, you know, for football season the next year. So that's kind of how I started to think about it. Yeah, I was going to ask you why you did play uh, basketball. Are you glad you did that in hindsight or do you wish you wouldn't have done that? Yeah, it's funny. I'm actually the, the best I've ever been at basketball is actually, you know, right now. So it's it's I I'm constantly looking for ways to make just conditioning fun. Um, you know, CrossFit is obviously, um, something that I love and something that I do, but sometimes it just, I'm just like, oh man, I don't want to do thrusters. Like that's terrible. So I'm like, all right, they're playing basketball. I got, I'm actually got, uh, included in this, uh, group in Marsburg. Uh, this, uh, older guy named Eddie Stanley. He's just loves to play basketball. So he hits up all the best players in the area and always getting them together. And we actually, uh, we played last night. So just figuring out ways like that to um, keep my, you know, conditioning at a, at a, at a high level. Um, and, but my, my best friend growing up, his dad was like my dad, but in the basketball sense. So we were always playing travel basketball, even when it wasn't basketball season. And I was always around it. And um, I ended up being able to shoot the ball relatively well. So just the same thing with just having success in something and then just, you know, finding a liking to it and just continuing to do it. I'm, yeah, I think I got a lot of my skill set from basketball. Crazy. When you're on the basketball court, um, is it, is it, um, quarterback Tyson Bajan out there or is it, um, just at the at home regular Tyson Bajan? Like, do you feel those leadership skills and that mindset come in even just in, in the games you play in basketball? Yeah, I would say it's just at home Tyson. It was kind of just a brush of fresh air, uh, a breath of fresh air, um, whenever I was playing basketball, cause we were, we were pretty good for our area. So, you know, some of the rivalry games, the whole arena would be super packed. And I was, I was able to, I was good enough to get in the game and stuff, but it was never like, I was like, if we lose this game, I'm still going to sleep perfectly fine tonight. So it was more so just fun. Um, which is something that I enjoyed. Um, cause you know, I obviously have fun with football, but there's a lot more nerves that come into play, uh, pregame and, and as well as during the game. But, I would say I kind of take a back seat and just try to, I just, I'm a role player and just tried to have fun whenever I played basketball in high school. Is, is everything, um, about fo- football for you? I'll give you an example. Um, like I, I, the only reason why I, I wouldn't watch the UFC if I didn't do shows with UFC fighters, like mm-hmm. I, everything I'm doing is everything I'm doing. I'm thinking of stuff. How, how can it make this podcast better? Or I'll give you another example. There was this professor at Yale and he was an artist, right? And he was also an entomologist, a guy who studies bugs. And he was also a marathon runner. So what he would do is he had this cabin and he would go up there and he would set these on this like 15 mile route. He would have these places where he put rotten bananas or a dead animal. And then when he would run to them, there would be bugs there and he would draw them. So he'd get his artist fix. He would study the bugs and he would get his running in and then come back. And like he had his life just dialed like that. It, it sounds like that's like at, at an early age, you started being aware that's the way it needs to be. 
Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, just like I said, with basketball, I'm just want to stay in good shape for football. Um, just like, you know, with my health and stuff and, you know, eating right and fasting and doing cold and hot therapy. Um, I want to make my body feel as good as it can for football. You know, you know, any type of, I don't do yoga because I really like doing yoga. I do yoga because I know it'll help me be, you know, more fluent on the football field. Um, so kind of like that where everything is kind of just, you know, going towards the same thing and kind of helping me, um, in one way or another, uh, at football. Yeah. And that, that probably made decisions easy for you. So going to parties and drinking kids smoking around you, people spending too much time on their phone, you, you it, it goes through this filter, like, Hey, is this going to benefit football or not benefit football? Exactly. Exactly. You're, you're in a, um, a really I mean, I mean, your generation is in, I guess every generation is, but definitely your generation is in uncharted territory with just all the media. Mm -hmm. There's just so, so uh, much um, stimulus coming yeah. in. Is it easy for you to block that out? Cause it doesn't work for your goal. Um, no, I wouldn't say it's, I would not say it's easy. I would say that, um, you know, growing up, I grew up in the, in the age where, you know, kids started getting cell phones for Christmas um, and birthdays and stuff like that. And I, my parents got, I was, I was one of the um, last ones of my, of my class to, to finally get a cell phone. They gave me uh, a cell phone when I was in eighth grade. Wow. And then, yeah, so I had really wanted a phone growing up, but then kind of like around fifth grade, I accepted it. And I was like, all right, whatever. I don't really, I guess I don't really need. There were kids in the fifth grade who had cell phones. No, nah, I, I mean, I just, yeah, there were definitely a couple of outliers in elementary school whose parents were crazy enough to give them a cell phone, but it was one of those things where it was new and nobody really knew the, the negative impact that it, that it could have um, on a child. So I would say I got in eighth grade and then, you know, finally getting in eighth grade, I'm locked in. I'm on the, I'm on the Instagram. I'm on everything. I'm chatting with people. I'm on Uvu. I don't know if you remember Uvu. It was just I don't. Face, it was group FaceTime. It was just an app that you could group FaceTime all your buddies. So I'm doing all that. Um, and then it didn't really, uh, I would say like around two years ago, I started to, it was like the food thing. You know, you don't eat for a while and you're like, holy crap, I'm not, I know I'm not hungry. Like I know I don't need to eat right now, but like I'm so used to eating so much and like, I just feel like I need it. Same thing with the phone. Like, it was like, man, I could delete all these apps right now. But for some reason, I feel like it would make me feel uncomfortable. And uh -huh. so noticing that, that's when I kind of was like, all right, I need to take a backseat to this thing because I could easily see where this could be an addictive thing um, that could, you know, kind of take over. And then all of a sudden you're procrastinating and you don't have time for anything else because you're always tied into your phone. And then um, uh, also with that, just with how crazy football people are, you know, it's hard to get on there because um, it's so much just like it's either super high praise or super high, just negative, um, just negative comments. And, you know, most of them aren't even true. So that that can also drive you crazy. So I just try to um, I try to limit my time the best I can um, on all the media stuff. There's a there's a theme here, the ice baths. The CrossFit, the fasting, uh, realizing that deleting apps would be uncomfortable and then doing it. Um, 
you, you're definitely not afraid of being uncomfortable. You're, you're almost attracted to it. Like a, like a, a moth to a light. Yeah. And I would say it's even the opposite where it's so amazing to me how uncomfortable it is that I'm just like, wow, I need to do more of this. Cause like, why is this so uncomfortable? And I feel it. It's so uncomfortable just because of the perception that everybody puts out into the world. Like it's constantly family members in my family that are like, Oh man, you're crazy for doing that. Like, man, why would you ever do that? Why would you ever do that? Like grandma and sees I, you get in the ice bath and she exactly. thinks you're nuts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like things like that. But then I'm like, I'm like, because I would say that I'm, I'm different from my other family members and they, I know that they love me for it and they love everything, you know, that I am, that I've come to be. So when they kind of like, not negatively shoot down whatever I'm doing, but when they kind of come at it, like, oh man, you, you don't need to do that. You're going to get sick or something. I'm like, well, that's kind of made me who I am. So why would I stop? You love everything that I got going on. So why would I stop doing all the things that have gotten me uh, to where I'm currently at? So just kind of viewing it from that point and just realizing that things aren't necessarily weird. Just people think they're weird because they don't do it. Um, and I think they're a little bit threatened by it in, in the sense that like fasting freaks people out because they can't imagine not go going 12 hours without eating. Or, you know, we used to do, I used to do this thing where like, I would try not to buy it. Like how many days can I go without pulling my wallet out? Like, why yeah. is it that my life surrounded around buying shit? Just to, just to, so, and it kind of, it's, 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 it's kind of like free awareness, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you put yeah. yourself in those struggles, you get you get elevated awareness because you're kind of on guard from like, oh, I'll just run out and buy a sandwich or I'll just eat a piece of cantaloupe right now or something like that. But you can't be like that. You have the heightened awareness. You got to be on guard from your habits. Yeah, it's almost like um, just, I don't know. I feel like you can't be the best person unless you unless you do like, unless you're constantly doing like a lot of stuff that's like feels terrible. But in a good way. <laughs> right, right, in right. A good way. It's like um, voluntary suffering is just like just being able to, you know, at least do that. I mean, for me, I just at least once or at least a couple times a day just suffer in some way, shape or form. How do you how do you not um, overtrain? It, it's it's really easy as a 50 year old for me to look back and see that I that there were times in my youth that I just overtrained. Mm -hmm. do you do you have to keep yourself in, uh, in check on that yeah i would say it's easier for i would say it's easier for me than it would be if i was just um if i if i wasn't an athlete and i was just if i was just you know an athlete in the sense of just you know trying to keep my, yeah just trying to keep my health um since i since i play as a sport i um i understand that i need to feel my very best in order to perform how i need to uh in the sport so just listening to my body and then I'm not really into um, overexerting some area of my body and then it coming back to bite me in the butt with just affecting me negatively on the field. So I feel like it would be harder if I didn't play football to to um, to not overtrain. The there was that footage from last year. Uh, it was it was two games. It was at the end of your season, and in both games, as I recall, you threw touchdown passes as the clock was running out, basically. Yes. When when you take that, um, you go. Can you walk me through that? Like you go into the huddle and like what, what's going through your mind and who calls the play and do you think it's going to work and is your brain is it noisy in your brain? Is it 
what what goes on? Um, so I would say, so the other team scores with 30 seconds left. Um, yeah, isn't that just how do you stop yourself from going? Okay, well that's over. I, I, yeah. I, I got to go warm my car up so the ride home isn't cold. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't really. I don't even. I don't really know. I just know that they scored. There was about thirty seconds left, and now you're putting a lot of emphasis on this next play. You know, how far can we return this kick, and what field position can we get to make this you know easier or, or harder or whatever it's going to be. Um, and also just, I always think about like, man, when I'm after this game and I'm, I'm at home tonight, um, am I going to be, am I going to hate myself because I just laid down and let this terrible thing happen? Or would I be so much more happier if I was able to just know that, you know, we made something happen and that, you know, you stayed locked in and you stayed focused and you just played as hard as you could. Um, so we ended up getting a nice return. Um, and then, so now you've got 20 some seconds left and, you know, you got four play, four good plays, you know, at the most. So being able to be successful early on in that drive is definitely, they're going to do nothing but help you first play. We're lucky enough to get a 40 yard gain. Who calls the play? Is that your decision or the coach's so, decision? So there's the head coach and then there's the offensive coordinator. He kind of coordinates everything that happens on the offense. And then as the quarterback, I'm able to take the offense coordinator play call and run it, change it, you know, whatever I, you know, think is necessary. Um, but in my head, whenever I get to play, I'm all, I'm just thinking about all the variations of how this play could look, you know, different spots, spots on the field that we could attack within this play. And then so if literally I'm, in that second, someone says whatever the play is. And as you're, wa- as you're walking up to the line, you're, and you're looking out at the field, you're, you, you, you're already seeing the play play out in 50 different ways, like a chess game. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we were successful in that first play, um, call a timeout clock stops with 10 seconds left. Um, we know we've got, we know we're in field goal range so we can kick a field goal to tie it. If this play doesn't work. Or, um, but then we ended up calling a play, trying to uh, score a touchdown because, um, you know, kicking a field goal is a shaky situation. It's 50, 50, whether it goes in or not. So um, not, not wanting to put it in the kicker's hands. And then uh, we call the play. Uh, it ends up breaking down. Um, I roll out to the right. What, what does that mean? It, like right, right off the snap, like you're like, Oh, this isn't going as planned. Now. So, you know, get the snap. I'm looking around how the play is drawn up on paper, how it's supposed to work. Uh-huh. Didn't, didn't happen. Didn't <laughs> happen like that. And you don't panic. Nah. So, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know if that, if me running is panicking or not, I'm just kind of just improvising, I would say, but then, uh, running out to my right, I saw that the receiver, um, had won against the guy that was guarding him. And then just, I was able to put it in a pretty good spot. So it all, it all worked out. And then there was one second to go whenever he caught it. So it was pretty crazy. Uh, great job, Caleb. Um, when, when you say you see that the receiver has won, what does that mean that, that he's six inches away from the guy who's guarding him or a foot or. Yeah, just, I mean, he's just, the guy is not, I, I know that if I, if I can put this ball in a good spot that he'll be able to make the catch. It's easy to see sometimes where the guy's just draped all over him and he's covering him really well. And you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, we're not going to go there. Um, so he had a couple steps on his guy, um, as you can see in that frame right there. Um, so I know if I could at least lead him, you know, into the catch that, uh, I knew he, he, he did a pretty good job catching the ball that year. So I knew we had a 
good chance at a touchdown. And then we won a game. Shepherdstown goes crazy, and we're still talking about it a year later. Right. What will what will be the difference? Um, so in, in February, you're going to go to the Senior Bowl. Yes. And for people who don't know what the Senior Bowl is, the way I, I understand it, there are three Pro Bowls in college football. Three big ones. There's a, I think there's a handful of others, but there's there's three um, there's three pretty big ones. It's the the Reese Senior Bowl, which has been the unanimous number one bowl game. The East West Shrine Game, which is now competing with the Reese Senior Bowl game, um, just trying to figure out ways that they can get on the you know same level. And I think they've done a really good job this year with um, with making their game um, and a more attractive game to play in. And then there's the NFL PA game. Uh, which is uh, the the number three uh, bowl game. It's weird that the NFL one would be the number three one, right? Yeah, I don't really know how that all came to be or how it works. Um, but yeah, it is. That is interesting. And so I'm looking at this and I was looking at like, what are the implications of this senior bowl? And it's crazy. There'll be approximately 110 players who show up there from all over the country. They'll mm-hmm. be the best players. They'll be the best players in the country. And uh, what 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 were some of these numbers that I heard? Um, the, uh, 2021 and 2022, two consecutive years in a row, 106 players of the 110 went to the NFL. That's awesome. That's yeah, that's a, that's absolutely nuts. And 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 the and the NFL in those years only drafted 262 players, so they took more. They took almost a half of the players from this single game. Yeah. Uh, the senior bowl, six players were drafted in the first round and, uh, for in the, and 45 players taken in the first three rounds. So this is a good sign that you were invited to this thing. It is. Yeah, it is. It was the goal going into this year. Um, just cause any question that, um, anybody has on my, one of the big ones, um, is just the level of play that I'm playing against. So this was a great opportunity to be able to showcase everything I have against, the best players in the country so it'll be a big it'll be a big week for me are there any other division two players that you know of who are going to the senior bowl um i i believe i know of at least i know of one more he's a line he's offensive lineman um but other than that i don't i don't think so and are you um anxious excited scared how how do you feel it do do you feel threatened by the fact that it's going to be a this different level of play? Nah, I would say I'm excited. You know, you, you get to go in there with a clean slate. So it's just being able to go in pretty focused and um, just get, get into the mental aspect of it as, as soon as I can, just so that I can play, you know, as fast as I can, just because I know that, you know, everybody there is going to be fast and they're going to be, you know, the best from where they come from. So it's just the best going against the best. So um, just being able to, you know, execute early and just try to have, you know, just try to make it as fun as possible. Um, but I'd say more than anything, I'm just, I'm pretty excited. Um, do you get to train with these guys ahead of hand? Ahead yeah. So it's a, so it's a full week. So you have a week of practices and then the last day of the week you play in the the bowl game. So it'll be a, um, it'll be a lot of opportunity for people to get eyes on me just, you know, in practice and in the game and stuff. So every day will be pretty important. I, I, another crazy number I saw is that uh, 600 people from the NFL will be there 
what is it? Uh, let me see if I can get the uh, more than 600 NFL staff and personnel will be on site during the week to scout elite talent. Nice. Yeah, it's a it's a big deal. I mean, it's, a, it's a, I like it how you like that. You're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, I know it is. A, it's a spectacle for, you know, for fans and then also scouts and, and coaches and everything. And, and will be an NFL coach who coaches your team. Yes. And do you know who it is? I do not. I do not know yet. I think they base a lot of it off of the success or the, the, you know, not so successful uh, teams uh, throughout this, this season. Um, Lee, I want to talk about leadership. Where, where did you learn about leadership? When did you learn? And how old were you when you learned that leadership was part of the, um, the position that it's not just, you know, uh, three, two, one, go. And you run around the track that you you can't just be good at throwing the ball and running around that you have to lead guys. Yeah, I would say, uh, I had a, I guess I kind of understood, um, like I had been around leadership my whole life. I don't think it really clicked for me what leadership was until probably like my junior, senior year of high school, where, you know, a lot of, um, just understanding that a lot of really good teams, don't just have leadership from their coaches that they can also um, garner some leadership from teammates as well. And that those teams usually end up being the most well-rounded competitive teams. So being able to just, um, I always kind of just put myself in the right position. Like I was always doing the right thing. So I let, I was, I led by example Um, still quite kind of like on the quieter side other than when the game was going on. But then I'd say in college, just kind of, uh, wanting to take over that role uh, of just being a leadership in all areas, just with, you know, teaching guys, you know, certain plays and, you know, giving motivational speeches and keeping dudes in, in check and making sure they're doing the right thing to put us in the best situation possible. Um, so I would say I kind of learned what it took and then kind of I learned what it took. And then I would say about three years later began to implement it, um, you know, in and the teams that I played on in my own life. So the, the example makes sense. You, you were always working. You kept busy in the off season. You were improving yourself. You were tinkering with yourself. But what about, like you said, motivational speeches? Is this something you're just there and you open your mouth and you have faith that the wor- right words will come out? Or do you prep for that stuff? Um, I'd, I wouldn't say I prep for it. I say I have a general idea of the maybe the one or two things that I'm going to touch on, whether it's something we've been struggling at, whether it's just trying to get dudes like to have an understanding of what really is at stake. Um, and then just being real loud. And you, a lot of times if you're, you know, courageous enough to be loud and around a group of people, then they'll, they'll usually gravitate towards that. And it'll usually uh, get them pretty excited. Um, your junior year, you did something uh, and I don't know exactly, I don't know what this means. I'll ask you what it means. But it says um, his, in his last offseason, he put his name in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's after your junior year. You won the Harlan Trophy, uh, best uh, Division II football player in the country. And then you put yourself in this thing called the transfer portal. But, but you didn't end up switching schools. What was the transfer portal? What were your thoughts about it? And, and why didn't you uh, switch? So I wasn't in the transfer portal after the season. Wasn't planning on getting into the transfer portal. Was kind of just really cool with where I was at and finishing up, um, at Shepard. 
and then I started getting like illegal phone calls from, from, you know, relatively big uh, schools. Illegal just, meaning they're not supposed to call you. Yeah. Cause if you're not in the transfer portal, you're not allowed to have any contact with any coach ever from okay. any other school. So, um, luck, uh, luckily enough, I was around my family when I got one of them and I put it on speaker and, you know, swore to the guy that I was by myself. So, um, we're going through the phone call and just like the, the amount of interest that I was getting without even being in the transfer portal kind of, you know, grabbed my attention. I started to think about, you know, what could be, you know, maybe I can go to, you know, maybe I can go to Oklahoma or maybe I can go to Texas or maybe I could go to one of these huge schools and be able to play my last season. Um, and, you know, obviously get my name out there more than it already is. So um, kind of thought about it for a little bit, ended up going to the transfer portal, got a lot of attention. Um, and um, it, it was very fun. We went on visits. We visited West Virginia University, West we visited Maryland University. Um, but on the visits, I, I realized um, that I, you can't just go to a different school and pick up academically where you left off. Um, you have to you have to do a certain amount of hours to get a degree from a university. So I was already set to graduate a couple oh, months Oh, I that. see what you're saying. So even if you had everything you needed, you couldn't just take yeah. one class or you have to at least establish exactly. 100 hours and just some shit to, to, exactly. to leave. Okay. So I had nine credits left, which is which is nothing. And it was set up in a, in a weightlifting internship that I already had set up. And it was already set like, you know, it was already good to go. Um, but then realizing that if I would have transferred to a different school, I would have had to put in 40 more hours, um, which I had already completed. Um, and I wasn't, you know, by any means, um, looking forward to my, to my academics, you know, throughout, throughout college, I did well, but it was just something I did so that I could play football. Um, so that as well, as, um, I knew. Oh, Oh, someone called him or text him, huh? Still alive. And then also, um, I had no issue with where I was at in the first place. So um, it was it was an easy decision once I figured out what I had to put in um, a year and a half more of school. I, I know you know this, uh, but for the listeners, um, the last Division II quarterback uh, to be drafted – was uh, by the Cardinals in the seventh round in 1999. And the last Shepard player to be drafted to go to the NFL was by the Baltimore Colts in the 20th round in 1960. So, 20th round. My goodness. so, <laughs> so you, uh, it's almost like there were two paths through the floor forest and one had just been cleared and one hadn't been cleared in 20 years or 30 years or 60 yeah. years and you chose that path. Why didn't you, why didn't you choose the other path? Why didn't you choose if the NFL was the goal? Why not choose somewhere where the, the a watering hole where the NFL regularly goes to and, uh, and drinks? Yeah, I would say I'm not a buzz killer. I'm not a buzz killer. I hope not. I hope not. No, 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 no. The year's over. The year's over. Yeah. The year's over. Um, yeah, I would say, uh, well, so the quarterback that played at Shepard the year before I got here, uh -huh. um, I was very invested in, you know, watching all the Shepard games. So I got to watch him throughout the season. 
Uh, he had a really good year. And then he got a chance with the Redskins is what they used to be called now the commanders. But he got he got a shot with the Redskins. And I, at 17, thinking in my head, I was like, man, I think I'm almost as good as that guy right now. So I think if I can go to Shepard and I can do what I need to do, I know they're going to throw the ball a million times. I know my family's going to be able to come every game. It was really a no-brainer, especially with the lack of attention that I did get from colleges through high school. I had two Division One offers, one to the University of Albany where it was really cold and they just ran the ball a lot. And then one was at Robert Morris University in Pittsburgh, who they were going just one in 10 every year and they were just getting you know, beat down every year. And it wasn't, it wasn't a good enough situation at either of those schools to take me away from what I knew I could potentially have at Shepherd University. Um, and then, so obviously put in my time, you know, did what I was supposed to do, got in the transfer portal, and then just a combination of school, as well as, you know, you go in and you're getting involved with a bunch of people that you really don't know when this is your make or break year, you only have one year you know, all you can really do is mess it up. It's not that you, it's not like you can um, really, you know, gain a whole month, a whole, a whole lot from the world um, in one year. So it was just a, the risk reward as well as having to go back to school. Um, it was an easy decision uh, for me to come back to Shepherd, And I'm glad I did. We had a really good year this year. It was, are have there been any hard decisions? So you said that was an easy decision, but that sounds like it would be so hard for me. Like, to, to, especially with when I imagine how um, focused your goals are. Like, there's these decisions, like whether it's to buy a new pair of shoes or to fast or to what school to go to. Yeah, I would say in the moment it was not as easy as I'm saying it is right now. But looking back, um, looking back, I think it was a no-brainer uh, to to do what I you know, ultimately decided to do, but I would say in the moment, obviously you feel the, the stress and the uh, anxiety behind your decision and wondering if it's going to come back to bite you in the butt, um, at a later time. But I think looking back, it was, a the right decision and, and, and an easy decision. There, before you broke the, uh, NCAA record for most touchdowns, you broke another record that was in your, is it called a conference? Uh, what was the record? It, it was a most touchdown passes like in, in that conference and you were okay, playing. Yeah. So first it was the most touchdowns in division two history. And then it was the most touchdowns in all of college football history. Okay. Can you tell me about the moment when you broke it at most touchdown passes in uh, division two history? Uh, your dad kind of alluded to the story, what happened uh, right when you broke the pass. Can you tell that story, including what the play was? Yeah, so it was, um, we were playing at East Stroudsburg University, and, you know, crazy enough, the guy who owned the record for, um, I want to say, 15 to 20 years up until that point was the head coach of the team we were playing. Crazy. Um, yeah. What super, are the chances of that? Super crazy how it worked out, but um, I knew I needed three, going into the game, knew we needed three touchdowns in order to beat it. Um, so it was right before halftime, uh, where we were driving down the field, the play was, uh, left trips, 500, uh, cloud wide glance. So that was the play call. And all the, do all the plays have long, long names like that? Why, why can't it just be like seven? Yeah. Pick up on it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so I don't know. Left trips is the formation. 500 is the protection for the offensive line. Um, cloud is the concept for the receivers. And okay. then wide, wide glance is backside, what the guy's running backside of the concept. So, okay, so all, I'm not, I don't know shit about football. I'm, I'm yeah, not, so, it sounds like it's more like flying a plane than playing checkers. Stop <laughs> laughing, Caleb. I can see you back there laughing. Stop laughing. So uh, the play ended up working out just how we thought it would. Um, and then actually I threw the the pass to my, my best friend on the team. Um, and so uh, that was a, that was a really cool moment. And then, um, celebrated with the team East Stroudsburg university actually did a really nice thing with just stopping the game, having a moment, me and the coach met at the middle of the field. It was a pretty cool, uh, it was a pretty cool, um, deal. Im- impromptu. So like you throw the pass the guy completes it, and then you, all of a sudden, you're the. It's a touchdown. The coach comes out there, boom! Throw the pass. Obviously, everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, dude, you did it! Holy shit, this is crazy!" My I get to my buddy, he's like, "Yo, what? The, this is crazy! I can't believe this is happening!" I'm like, "Yeah, man, this is this is freaking crazy." We're jogging to the field, dapping everybody up. Everybody's loving on me, and then you start hearing the announcer say what just happened, and then the ref stopped the game. The coach starts walking out to the field, and then I met him uh, in the but middle. But you had no field. idea that was going to happen. I did not know that was going to happen. Wow, was that emotional? Like when when do you remember his face? Yeah, it was. I I didn't I didn't get emotional, but I did. I was just like, you know, one of those things where I was like, man, how in the world did this come to be? Like this is this is like, I don't know. This is just like one of the craziest things ever. Like who would have ever thought? that this would happen. I didn't even think this would happen. I knew I was going to be good, but I didn't know that this would happen. And I always kind of look back to the, um, to a moment in time, like before my freshman season of college. So that summer when I was really, you know, training hard, you know, trying to get ready to play college football, um, I would be on the field and then sometimes I'd be by myself and I would just, um, I would just think like, man, I wonder if, I will throw a touchdown at college. Like, I wonder if that will really happen for me because so many people go to college and, you know, it ends up just not, the ball doesn't roll their way. It doesn't end up happening how they, how they imagine it to. Um, so I'd be like, and I'd always watch Shepard football so many years of my life. And I was just like, man, I wonder if I really will throw a touchdown, you know, for Shepard, like that would be a crazy thing. And then it was just like, I'm thinking back to that moment. And now it's like 150 later, man, this is, this is insane. And uh, did you know when you were playing the game that that coach had the record? Yeah, it was a big oh, story, like oh, leading okay. up into the game, and um, just it was just whether or not I was going to end up doing it that game or another game. Wow, absolutely nuts! What a what a moment. Do you think um, there's these two ideas: uh, nature or nurture, meaning you're born who you are, or or, or it's nurture, and maybe it's an oversimplification, but do you think – it sounds like your dad um, – I don't want to say made you. I know you had to do all the work, mm-hmm. but it sounds like your dad like put you on the right track if you were a slot car. Or do you, do you think that – do you think you're more nature or nurture? Do you think you were taught to become a great quarterback or – and, and it's almost, I feel silly even asking the question because obviously I know that you put in the endless, endless amount of work. You have the typical like 
obsessive work ethic, you know, make yourself better uh, personality. And when I mean typical, you're, you're in rare company, but we've heard this story before from other great people. Do you have any thoughts on that? What, what I'm trying to you know, say here? Yeah, I would say that my, my athletic abilities have definitely been nurtured. Like I, I, I think that my dad definitely put me in the lane that I needed to be in in order for me to figure everything out and, and become, you know, as athletically blessed as I've become. But then I would say just, I think just the way I think about things, I think that was more, more nature than anything. I'm just, I'm really happy, um, with the way I think just cause, um, just thinking from the, you know, standpoint of just, you know, continuing to try to get better and to be able to be moldable and to be open to trying new things. Um, just like all the things that I, that we talked about, uh, earlier that have, you know, allowed me to become so much better, um, in, in football and in life, like with just like the, um, the cold, the cold exposure and, you know, fasting. So I'm, 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 I'm happy with the way that I think, I think that's more nature than nurture, but, um, my athletic ability, I think definitely was, was nurtured by, by different people in my life. I heard you in an interview, uh, a, a short interview you did like 15 minute podcast you did. And you said, let me see if I can find this. Maybe I'm going to have to paraphrase here. You're basically talking about um, the guy was asking you. I don't even remember the question, but what caught my attention is you you were talking about things that you do every day. He, oh, he said, he said, okay, this was the question. He said, hey, uh, Tyson, can you walk me through a typical day? Mm-hmm. And you said you had prey in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is that, oh, here we go. You read and pray every day. Um, what, what does that look like? What, what, what is, what is prayer? I don't even know what that is. What is prayer? Um, I mean, I think prayer f- for me, cause I think it's, I, I think it's different, you know, for everybody, uh, prayer for me, uh, really just making sure that, you know, that, you know, a higher power just un- knows and understands how unbelievably grateful that I am for all the things in my life that just mean so much to me. So just being, you know, extremely grateful for the people that have, you know, for whatever reason, uh, be, are a part of my life. So my family, um, any, any coaches or friends I've been lucky enough to meet along the way that have, that have stuck and that are just, you know, really amazing people just being so I'm making sure that, you know, uh, that just that, you know, the world knows and, and, and God knows that, you know, I'm so, I can't even like, I don't even, I don't even understand why all this is happening, but I'm just so excited and happy for it. Thankful for, you know, my mindset, the way I think about things. And that just really, I put a lot of emphasis on, um, just praying that my, uh, that my little siblings can, you know, make good, good decisions, uh, that day. Uh, family's hugely important to you yeah no doubt no doubt yeah that that's that's really cool um, who introduced you to the idea of prayer H- how did you get introduced to prayer i would say i grew up uh going to an Episca, episcopalian church uh with my with my family um they baptized me at an early age i was introduced to the whole um idea of church going to church on sundays and 
and praying in church and praying before, uh, before, um, you know, you eat food and all that. And I would say when I was about 16, um, when I was about 16 or 17, the church that I had been going to was kind of just an old traditional church. One of those things where you could easily see a kid being like, Oh man, I don't really want to go. It's boring. Um, and that's kind of where it was, how it was with me. So kind of stopped going, I would say from about 12 to 16 still. I mean, there was never a time where I didn't necessarily believe, but I just like, I was just like, man, that is like, that's boring. I don't want really want to go. Um, uh, there was a new church that came into the area called Crossroads church. Um, it was a little, little more, um, it was a little more like teenager friendly. Like, you know, they weren't just, it wasn't, you weren't just sitting in silence a whole lot. It was a lot of, um, you know, better music at the beginning. And then the pastor definitely, um, you know, preached his word in a more, in a, in a, in a way that you could understand um, as a younger adult, exactly what was being said and, and what was going on. And I kind of latched onto that with my mom at 16. And then I've stayed pretty consistent uh, with going there ever since. And actually, um, you know, the pastor's a really good dude. I've been to his house. Um, you know, he's helped me out you know, with my spiritual journey, uh, so to speak, and being able to, uh, kind of like how my dad introduced me to football. And then I kind of took over with the whole getting better at it part. It's kind of the same thing. My family introduced me to church and at a certain age, I kind of took it upon myself to kind of make that a priority in my life. Did anyone teach you that? Or it was just a consistency and habits from being a kid? Yeah, it was, it's, it's one, it was one of those things where I was like, man, how can I, how can I get better at this? I don't really know. Like, I don't really know what the blueprint is to be good at this. But then, I mean, you mean to be all, like a good Christian, to be a good churchgoer, yeah, just, just to be a good, just to know how to pray and to know how to do, you know, yeah, exactly. All the things. Um, and then basically it's, you know, everybody says that it's, it's your own journey and everybody's uh, path to it looks different, just like anything else in life. So that kind of helped me out. That kind of helped me a lot. Uh, with kind of understanding and how I went about it. There's this theme um, uh, building too. And this, every time I talk to you, right, you're, you're the epitome is how I do anything is how I do everything. So you want to be a good, you, if you're going to participate in the church, you want to be a good representative of the church. If you're going to play football, you want to be the best football player. You're, you're, if you're going to be a family member, you know, you're, you're praying not, Hey, I hope I go to the Super Bowl, but Hey, I hope my siblings, uh, have have a safe and healthy journey. No doubt. Yeah, exactly. I was just, I mean, just trying to maximize, um, you know, just all the things, you know, that I, that I want to do and that I care to do in my day and in my life. Do you think that you could, as a dad, do you ever think, or do you think you're going to have kids? Yes. Um, uh, wow. You're adamant about that. Yes. Do you think you could make another, um, Tyson Bajan? You think you could do this stuff your dad did to you to get you to where you were at, and your mom, or what your mom did to you to get you where you were at? Uh, I don't really know. I think parenting is a really hard thing. I know a lot of amazing adults who are horrible parents, and I know a lot. Yeah, it's like I don't. There's no like. I think I have a general idea of how I could make a pretty cool human being, but. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I know a lot of cool people who are terrible parents. So, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm just like any I feel like anybody who becomes a really, you know, uh, like a quote unquote really good uh, individual. I think it's kind of like super lucky because I think even with how great of a job my mom and dad did, I can easily think back and look at situations in my life and, you know, in high school, especially where, you know, I'm, you know, just with all the sports I was playing, you, you tend to hang around some, some shady people who are doing some shady things that I could easily, I could easily see where that could have, you know, gone South for me. Um, so I think it's, um, I think it's obviously having good parents, but then also there's definitely luck involved as well. Uh, your senior year, all 32 NFL teams came out, sent someone at least some at some point to watch you play. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So it started, you know, in August, we went through camp, which is just a month of practicing, you know, gearing up for the first game and then uh, throughout practices each week. Um, and as well on game days, there was always a, a NFL scout around. And I think that was I think I was really cool for the team because I think anytime there's a NFL scout around, I think everybody's play. Uh, tends to increase a little bit because they want to, you know, make an impression on the person. So I think it helped us, you know, prepare better and and uh, practice with a lot more intensity, which I think helped us on game days. So you know they're there. Yeah. So they'll so they make it obvious. They'll they'll be there. Uh, you know, when everybody's warm enough for practice, completely decked out in whatever team they're from. Uh, bright colors always, uh, and they, they make it known that they're there and that they're watching. And do they all talk to you at some point, come over, shake your hand, or do you do you have interaction with them? Yeah, most of them will, will find a, um, like a maybe a downtime in practice to introduce themselves, or some of them will wait till after practice to introduce themselves or do a little short interview. Some will come before practice if they don't feel like watching the whole two-hour practice just to get to know you on a more personable level. Um uh, there was no one way that it that it went. It was always just kind of whatever worked that day. And do you get any feedback from them, or is it like a job interview where no matter what, you're not hearing back from them and you you don't know how you did? Yeah, more so. I would never hear from uh, them like feedback from them, but it would also like if they had let my coach um, know anything, that my coach would always be like, "Hey, man, they said they really you know they like this. They like what you said here. They like what you did here. They like how you." you know, you know, different situations and they, they liked her, um, something about what you did throughout that day. Do they look at everything? Like do, if you got suspended in the fifth grade for throwing a rock at a, at a, another kid, do like, do, are they just digging through all your stuff? I don't know if they, I, I doubt that they probably go that far, but I, I, I do think that they, um, especially as a quarterback, they want somebody that is, you know, sharp enough to, to lead a team and to be able to, you know, use, be able to use and utilize their verbiage and, and different plays and schemes and know what everybody's doing. They want a pretty sharp individual, you know, back there playing quarterback. So I can imagine that they, um, uh, that they probably do look, look into your, uh, history. Um, at a, do they at interview some... your friends? Are they like, Hey, does Tyson go out and drink on Fridays or d does he do uh, dangerous motorcycle riding or shit like that? Nah, so I think that they they talk to the offensive coordinator to kind of get a feel for like, you know, what kind of guy, what kind of guy is he, as well as, you know, what are his strengths, weaknesses, et cetera. And then they talk to the weightlifting coach and they talk to the athletic trainer, uh, the weightlifting coach, just to get like an idea of like numbers and work ethic and stuff like that. And then the trainer, obviously, see, does he have a, any history of injuries? You know, is he care about taking care of his body 
um, all that stuff. So that was usually the three people that they would um, throughout the day talk talk um, about you to. Look at this. This is exactly what you're saying in the beginning of the show. Um, uh, uh, so uh, Melissa says, this man is so wise, I'm very impressed. Then there's this dude down here with the, with the giant biceps. Crazy, you can tell how robotic his responses are. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Dude, we, we just traversed from God to, to – we, we just traversed the landscape. I didn't see – Judas program to give tell no, Have you been trained? Has anyone trained you to be uh, – to like – you know, like I just remember – I didn't watch a lot of basketball, but anytime I would see like a basketball game, the NBA games, someone – the reporter would ask a question and like like – I don't know. Kobe would never answer the question. He just said what he wanted to say. Yeah. <laughs> like, have, have you gone through any training like that? By the way, that person's totally wrong. Don't even. Nah. Yeah. It's all. Um. It's all good. But I wouldn't He's say. He's in, I... in his bedroom at his mom's house. He's fucking twenty-two. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Uh, I wouldn't say I've had any training, but I have been lucky enough to have a lot of uh, repetitions, and I think that has helped a lot. Oh, a, a lot of interviews. Yeah. And your dad is quite the showman and your mom is a very poised woman also. I mean, you do have very, um, uh, your mom, your dad's kind of the opposite of your mom. And, and the, I mean, he's a showman and your mom is very poised, you know, she's very, you know, yeah. good posture, very present kind of. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like if there was uh, a good way to put it, like my dad in, in an interview is always looking for his, for his moment to, to make it, Drop that one liner to make it electric or funny or whatever he's whatever antic he's going to use. He's looking for that opportunity at all times. I feel like if my mom were to do an interview, it would be very um, just it would just be very neutral. Yeah. And then I I try to stay somewhere in between those two, which makes sense because they're my mom and dad. So um, and your dad could get away with way more because the, the arm wrestling. I mean, there's nothing on the line. Six dollars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He can say whatever he wants um, and not get any backlash for it or care if he does get any backlash for it. Look, I, I'm a robot, too. The only robot here is Sevon. Oh, that's good, too. <laughs> uh, did you graduate in three years, Tyson? No, so I graduated in four years on time, but with COVID, was able to play um, for my fifth year since my third year got canceled due to COVID. Did that freak you out when the third year got um, got canceled? Were you like, "Oh shit, there go my dreams," or were you like, "What well, happened to everyone?" So, yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't like, "Oh, there goes my dreams," but it was like, "Man, this is like really strange." I wonder how the world is going to adapt to this. Like, I wonder, you know, what is next. Um, but then there was also there was always like conversations with coaches and and people just higher up that kind of were kind of there was some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, with it so that was always that was always good but it was i mean but it was like it was one of those things where i was like man this whole lockdown thing is happening to everybody um I did the nf did the nfl uh, drop a year or did they play through so they they played through but no fans so I, it was like one of those things with having light at the end of the tunnel like okay i can deal with not they're not being fans in there they're still playing um right so that that's cool so it, it was weird how they pumped in the cheering right that was so weird yeah it was it was a strange year 2020 is definitely um pretty weird uh as a junior you just became the ninth player in college football history across all divisions to reach five thousand yards 
and 50 passing touchdowns were there receive because of your pat throwing touchdowns were there receivers on your team who were also breaking records um did you ever throw to the same guy all four years was there a guy who you went got to shepherdstown with as a you threw a touchdown past him you're a freshman sophomore junior senior nah, it was it no. was completely different every single year I had a whole different uh set of guys every year and um I would say last year, not there wasn't anybody that was getting singled out with having all the records and stuff, but I would say there was a good handful of guys that were all having tremendous years. There was the, there, I watched a couple of plays last night, and there was a tiny little white guy I saw catch like three or four passes. How how little was that guy? Yeah, he um, yeah he was a bit. He burst onto the scene last year as a freshman. He was, I mean, honestly, if you want my honest prediction on how tall he is, I say he's five four. But they have him on. <laughs> yes, they have him on his five six. I don't believe that. Uh, but he's the fastest person um, on the team. So, I mean, it, it was unreal to watch him do what he did uh, last year. Yeah, it was crazy. That that's crazy. He's and you would throw to him just right off the snap a lot, right? Yeah, a lot of times, um, you know, if they're giving him any space, you know, he's a quick little fast guy. So being able to just get it to him and you know let him make somebody miss and do his thing would you will you stay in touch with those guys or no uh yeah i would say a lot of them yes i mean some obviously no because there's i mean there's so many dudes on the football team but i was you know lucky enough i was around long enough and um was able to meet some pretty solid dudes that uh are pretty good friends of mine so i will definitely keep in touch with them i, I guess on one hand it's it's kind of um it's not ideal that the team shifts every year, right? You want to build consistency with, with your favorite players. But I guess on the other hand, it's great practice. It's more, it's more just like, it's more just like ideal discomfort, uncomfortable prep for where you're headed. Yeah, exactly. You get, you know, you more different, more body types to throw to different speeds to throw to, you kind of get acclimated to all the different things. And um, college football is so crazy. It's almost like you just start from scratch. Uh, every year just because you've constantly got guys going out coming in going out coming in you know shepherd university doesn't have a whole lot of funding um either so even coaching wise you've got you know kind of coaches using shepherd in order to get a better job so they can you know support their family uh in a in a in a better way uh, so you really just start from scratch uh year in and year out i i don't mean this as a as a dig it might be taken that way but if you're a diamond and you were sat on, let's say, uh, you know, on a, on a, on a silver ring. Now that diamond is leaving that silver ring and it's going to go to a gold ring, meaning you're the quarterback, but everyone around you now theoretically is going to be significantly better than where you came from. Are you, are you excited about that? Because then that's going to elevate your diamond also. Like, are you like, yeah, wow. I mean, cause you kind of maxed out the potential, at least you can think this way. You maxed out the potential of the guys you were around. So maybe we still haven't even seen the best Tyson Bajent there is because he was mounted on a silver ring. You know what I mean? Like you were driving a Nissan yeah. and now you're going to get a fucking Indy car. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think about that a lot just because I think it's happened uh, in my life, you know, going from middle school to high school. Uh, I think my game. Was oh, elevated. so uh, and you told that story. So you came there as a fret. You came your sophomore year. You were like, oh, yeah. my God, 
I'm, I'm already running the, the varsity team and you think it's going to yeah, be like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, it's just like, you know, I don't think it'll be, it'll still be, you know, me just around, you know, other human beings, but just so happens that these guys are, you know, little more athletically, uh, blessed than other people I've been with just cause just like the other stages uh, in my life, going from middle school to high school, high school to college. Uh, so I, I know that that's coming and that, uh, it'll, um, you know, increase my abilities, um, just cause, you know, you're throwing the faster guys at a faster pace. Um, things are a little bit more in depth. Uh, so I think that definitely will happen. It's been, that has been something that I'm, uh, excited about. How, how tall are you, Tyson? Uh, six, three and one eighth. And is it, is that no, what is the average size for a NFL quarterback? Do you know? I would say probably right around there. I would say there, there are some shorter guys in the NFL and then there's some bigger guys in the NFL. And I would say probably the, the average is probably right around where I'm at. So that's a good size. You're a good size for a quarterback. Yeah. I'm, I'm typical quarterback, quarterback size. Uh, as it comes, no surprise that the average height of a starting quarterback in the league is six, three. There we go. Bingo. Um, so good, great football player, good family praise takes ice baths. One game left. I mean, theoretically this next game could be the last game you ever play. Yeah. And I wouldn't even look at it as if like this counting as like a, like a typical game. This is just more of like a extracurricular, uh, gig that can increase my, uh, my draft, um, possibilities. I would say that I, I kind of had that thought whenever, you know, we played in our last game, um, this past year, just cause you know, no matter what happens from this point on, you know, the chances of me having the uh, freedom and the ability, um, just the ability to just be be loose and play the game to its maximum extent. Um, I know that's over and I know that it's uh, just more so of a, a business um, now. And um, so I'm just excited to take advantage of whatever opportunity I do get just from here on out. Um, but just having an understanding that uh, it's str- it's it's more so business than anything from this point on. What well, wait? But but when you're out there on the field, mm-hmm. it won't be like that, right? When you're out there no, on the field, yeah, no the doubt. Business no has doubt. to the, the business just dies when you're out on the field. I mean, I mean, I, exactly. if you go on to play in the NFL, right? Yes, 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 exactly. Yeah. Do you go so, on I mean, to play I, in the NFL? Will I? Are you asking me? Will I? Yeah. Yeah, I. That is that is the goal, and that is uh, that is what I'm striving for. And it, you know, it look all the pieces have fallen into place up until this point. So I'm really I'm excited to you know get that opportunity to you know make it as far as I can. Crazy. Well, it, and, um, well, that I wonder. I mean, you haven't done it yet, but I wonder if that'll be like starting on day one again. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what exactly it'll be like. I know I'm just like imagining it to be the absolute hardest thing ever. So that if it is different than that, it'll just be that it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So I'm just right now preparing for it to be the absolute most overwhelming thing in the entire world so that, you know, mentally I can just be, um, I can just be ready for whatever. And then if it's not what I thought it would be, it would just be because it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, which is perfectly fine too. Right. Right. 
Dude, thank you for coming on. What what a what a crazy uh what a crazy opportunity for me to talk to someone like you who who's done so much and, and accomplished so much. And uh I, everyone I know that knows you is so proud of you and is in awe also. Um thanks for yeah. doing this. Yeah, hey, you're the man. I will come on this show whenever. Ah. This is this is this is the podcast that I listen to. So yeah, <laughs> you're the man. You're the man. I uh I appreciate you having me on. It means a lot. Anytime, brother. Thank you. And um, uh, we'll be in touch. I'll be I'll be uh, texting you. Perfect. Have a good day, Savant. All right, dude. Hey, one more thing. And thank you in this time of, uh, you know, you, you know, a, a planet that's in so much turmoil for being such a good role model and such a light. You really, really are. You're impacting, uh, you know, you're impacting more people than you could ever imagine. Uh, so so thank you. Thank you as well. And tell I Ezra I said hi. I can't wait to get him on the podcast too. <laughs> yeah, he needs a little bit more interview work before he uh before he can handle this smoke. <laughs> All right, brother. Have a good day. Bye. Man. I'm I'm so happy for his parents. I'm so happy for his parents. Yeah, right. So right? God, he's so cool. I I was I was actually ner- I was surprised how nervous I was. I couldn't get yeah, I couldn't yeah. get I couldn't get settled. I couldn't get settled. I, I I was like, holy shit! I kept like googling like ESPN articles about him and just kept getting more excited about it. Yeah, I I guess maybe I just wanted to. He's like one of those people. I just want to grab him and hug him. Uh, Sevon, do you got a discount code for the Slack uh, block? I don't. I don't. And I know they're not cheap, but I, I will tell you this. I use mine every day, too. I wish they made one that was a little lower. It's pretty thick, and I want my mom to start using it, but I'm concerned like that that super thick one should fall off. Hey, dude, what's up with your internet, um, Caleb? Did you, guys get, did you guys get downgraded? Someone didn't pay the bill, or what's going on? Uh, Bailey Walker, me too. How do I parent my kids like that? Amazing. I'm telling you uh, – the the you know half dozen times i was around travis is um he's very intense he's very very intense and he kept those uh kids in check there was no he matched their the thing is, is i mean you know this probably Bailey, especially with the boys their energy level is so high that if you can't match it which oftentimes i can't you have to uh have a a, a way to cook corral it you know, one of the things I maybe said this will help someone. One of the things I do, my boys will just just a fight will just break out, and the three of them just can't stop hitting each other and taunting each other. And I immediately just take them into the uh, garage, and I have this little tiny yellow ball, and I and I make them stand like I don't know ten feet apart in a triangle, and um, they have to throw the ball and they have to pass it around ten times without dropping it. And every time they drop, ten times consecutively. And every time they drop it, they have to do a burpee and start over at one again. It's a great game. It's a great game. I should win the fucking Nobel Prize for it. They end up doing like 100 burpees and they're laughing their asses off by the end. They cry a little bit, because, but it's great. It's great. Hey, Caleb, what's up with your internet? I have no idea. Had some shitty weather lately and I think it's messing with everything. I, I, when I had kids, I told Travis... Um, uh, and it would always make him feel uncomfortable. He would always try to change the subject, but that as it, like, he had a tremendous influence on me as a parent. Um, and it was how he talked to his kids because he talked to his kids like, like, like they were adults, even when they were little. Like, I just remember 
he, did, he there was there's no bullshit with that dude like he he kept it fun energetic but he would he, you knew you were in the room with a bull and travis was a bull and he didn't he didn't pull punches on the kids and uh he made them work hard and um he was loving and and, and all that but man he would uh he spoke in a very strong voice and um he cracked the whip and I, and I knew i was like oh that's how i'm gonna do it too just very real with them very real with a, a, a dose of entertainment so um uh jason sometimes when i watch this podcast it makes me a little bit uh a little sad because i learned so much and i could have been a much better parent with the information i have now you know what that i, I have to guess that's all, everyone right i have to guess that's everyone my dad said that to me the other day he's like shit i wish i would have done uh with you, what you're doing with your boys. And I'm, I'm sure I'm going to, I'm going to do the same thing. Thanks, Mark. I was really, really excited. I didn't even want to ask him. It was one of those things where I didn't even want to ask him to come on the podcast. Cause I felt like, you, you know, it's my, it's my friend's son. And maybe that's why I was a little nervous too. Travis did say to me, Hey dude, you could keep, keep your fucking mouth clean during the podcast. He sent me a text. <laughs> <laughs> so uh maybe that's why i was a little nervous too because i because i wanted to uh I, I wanted to make i wanted to make travis proud i wanted to be a good friend i wanted to make sure that he he felt like i was i was being cool to his son <clears throat> yeah right the thing is is um my dad um my parents were workaholics and which was important like I, I, I kind of wouldn't have it any other way either. Like I just, I was always so impressed of how hard my parents worked. I really liked it. I liked to see them. Um, I, I just was impressed. I just remember from a young age and it made me appreciate stuff. It made me really, really appreciate the things that I had because I knew it was my parents' time that they were putting in. Uh, Janelle. I give grace to myself because all the ways I screwed up, I still have a lot of chances to do better. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's kind of the funny part too. My dad says that to me, but then he comes over to my house and we don't even hang out. He just hangs out with my kids. So, uh, yeah. Uh, more than 600 scouts will be at the senior bowl. I think it's sometime in February. I think you have to have the NFL network in order to watch it. Um, there's a list. If you go to, to if you type in Tyson Bage's name, you can see all the records um, he's he has. It's absolutely nuts. Um, let me see if I can. Uh, uh, there were only five quarterbacks invited to the Senior Bowl this year. He's one of them. I have to assume he's the only Division Two. Yeah, I mean, look at all these. I'm sure he's going to win the Harlan Hill Trophy again uh, as the best uh, quarterback in 2022 in Division Two. Uh, we talked about how 32 NFL teams came out to watch him play during the year this year. Uh, you heard how the the, the coach um, came out into the middle of the field and uh, they stopped the game and shook his hand. What a crazy uh, confluence. Is that the word? Someone no, help me out. Word. That's not a word? Confluence? No. Convergence? That's crazy. He was he was a Harlan Hill nominee first three or first two years. And then he was a finalist his junior year and then got it his senior year. So like every year he's been in contention for a Harlan Hill. Yeah. Nuts. Right. Wait, there is a word. Wait, wait, there is a word confluence, the junction of two rivers. Yes. 
Yes, that is what I was going to. It was a crazy confluence because that head coach who had the, it was the junction of the two rivers. It was the, mm. uh, you know what I mean? The act of yes. merging, right? That that coach was there. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you. Indeed. Even, the, even if you don't mean it, I appreciate the yes. That, that, the, the coach was there who broke the record, you know, however many, 15 years earlier. Nuts. Nuts. Thank you, Robot Beaver. Mark, what were you doing saying he's a robot? He's 22. What are you doing? I don't think it was. It was a different Mark, not that guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wasn't that one, Mark? Okay, where was it, Mark? This one? It was the guy with the buff arm working on the C2 rower? Yeah. Oh, I wanted to ask him if he when when was the last time he cried in a game? Like what? Like you cried when you were six, probably, probably when you were seven. Wonder, I wonder if he cried in his last college game. You think he did? That's a that's tough. Like when you know it's like that's it. It's yeah. it's really it's really shitty. Like you just worked so hard for so long, and you don't even know if you'll ever be able to play again because you'll never play. Like if you don't play at the next level. And there's no level after that that'll meet what you just played at. It's like your whole, you yeah, your whole life like, from when you're from when you're six to when you're 21. That's all you do, and then it's just over. Yeah, your whole identity for 20 something years is that sport and walking onto the field and putting on your helmet or putting on your cleats or whatever. And then now you have to learn to be somebody else. To be like a real estate agent or like a <laughs> peddler. Go to trade school, start start cranking wrenches. Yeah. But then like wherever you go, like that's your title. You're like, oh, that was the guy who played for Nebraska. And now he's a mechanic at AutoZone. You never get to put pads on again. I cried at both my last college game and high school game. High school, I cried because I never got to run the ball. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, probably how Tia feels right now. I don't know, man. She, she's probably so stoked. She's pregnant. Uh, yeah. Then Stefan trying to make him feel those feels again by saying that that may be the last game ever that you ever play. I, I, I didn't know if I was cursed. If, if, if I'm like jinxing him by asking him if he, if he thinks he's going to the NFL, but he, but right. He clearly thinks he does. Right. I, everything I've looked at, says that he has a if if not an outside chance he has a chance of being drafted into the NFL to be honest from what i've wa- been watching of all these all these uh, NFL games there are a lot of quarterbacks that have their jobs in question right now so i wouldn't be surprised if somebody took a chance on him uh i i watched clips last night forever i cannot believe how good he is he moves so well on the field yeah, i agree I'm not like a super football analyst, but I know he looks better than a lot of other Division One quarterbacks. And and if all 32 teams came to visit him at Shepherdstown, I mean, it's totally off the beaten path. Oh my gosh, yeah, 32 32 teams, 32 scouts went to the middle of West Virginia. Yeah, watch him practice for two hours. And the fact That's he's invited cool. to the Senior Bowl as a quarterback is bizarre too. He's probably one of the only Division Two football players to be invited to that Senior Bowl as well. Yeah, that's what I, I know. He probably doing. doesn't think it's a big deal, but like, not a ton of people are getting like where he's at are getting picked up from for that senior bowl. 
I asked Travis, he's so different than Travis. I'm like, hey, is he is he freaking out at all? He's like, no, dude, he's chill as a cucumber always. Yeah, he's super cool. Yeah, he is better than Russell Wilson right now. Hey, um, someone like that, you would think you could just take and make like it's, Twitter needs a CEO. Why not pick that dude? The ball score guy. I mean, I mean, he's obvious. He knows something about leading. Um, fucking, if you can lead um, twenty fucking testosterone-filled men, who closer to a hundred, probably. Yeah, a hundred. Yeah, what? Yeah, then you, you can do anything. It's it's insane. Whenever I played football in high school, I was a kicker, so not crazy. But like, you could see the guys who were really good leaders because they just had like this aura about them. Like they were, they could like they could come up with pregame speeches on the spot. They could like help their teammates with any aspect of their game, or everybody just flocked to them. It was always those guys, and those guys now are the same thing. Good leaders. Like, they're 28, 30 years old, the exact same. I would take that dude to lead Twitter or be president of the United States over any Harvard MBA or um, uh, lawyer or PhD in economics or anything. And you know what? You know why else I would pick him? Because that dude wants to learn. He said a few times about, hey, he just wants to be open enough to keep learning. I, I cannot believe he, he talks like that at 22. I cannot believe, like, that was not me cool. at 22. I needed money for gas and condoms. I love that he was talking about how he was working on his diet and working on, like, his recovery game. And, like, that shit that people at his age don't think about. Division two athletes don't do that. Division three athletes don't do that. Most Division one athletes don't do that. How about fasting? Is he nuts? Dude, that's insane. Go buy a pack but, of yeah. Twizzlers and stuff yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You And that's 100% what happens for college football players. They'll just get a bunch of snacks that fucking vegetate in their room and eat all day until practice happens. And then they go to practice and they practice and they go back and eat some more. He had perfect skin, crystal clear eyes, great voice. You could tell never that, that you can tell those tonsils are never suck down a bong load. I mean, just pristine, pristine lungs. I mean, you can just hear it and feel it. What a good dude. Definitely. All right. Uh, do we have anyone for tomorrow? Oh, I think we have Cat Shear tomorrow. Yeah, affiliate owner. Nice. Uh, co-host of the Clydesdale podcast. Double nice. Uh, Paul Rubio on Friday. And then on Saturday, probably a uh, live call-in show. Hey, do you have a calendar? Do you know exactly how many days before you come home? Yes. <laughs> I think it's 38 days until the senior bowl. How many days before you come home? Probably about, uh, I don't know. It's close. I, um, yeah, I, 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 I had, I, that's how nervous I was. I really wanted to ask him about the draft, like where he's going to be, how that's going to play out, but I am going to, yeah, I will definitely watch it this year. I went back and watched Division Two football games. I don't watch any football. <laughs> I thought it was funny when he pulled up, when he started talking about the play that he called for the, that touchdown pass. I said, there's no fucking way Sevon knows what this is. No, I had no idea. <laughs> it makes me happy that it's such a technical sport like that, though, you know, and that, that I'm just a closed-minded jerk-off that just thought it was like, number seven. 
you know, and everyone just yeah. scrambles around. You should, you should see like some of the play cards that they have. It's like a note card. Like, you know, in, did you ever take a test where they're like, okay, you can have as many notes as you want, but it has to fit on this note card. Yes. That's exactly what football play cards look like that with play, everything there's plays written out like that. And they keep it on like an armband on their sleeve and it's just minuscule writing. That's how many plays they have. Crazy. Uh, Savon is going to be on TV when he finds out it takes three days for the draft. It better than three days. Seriously. Yeah, dude. It's crazy. Wait. So it's not just like Savon. Who do you want? I'll take Tyson agent. Uh, who do you want Caleb? And it doesn't just to go that fast. And in a simplified, yeah, it does do that, but they do that. But it's that you have time windows. Whenever, so it's like, okay, Cleveland Browns pick this person. And then after they pick somebody, the next team has X amount of time to like go through. The oh, world shit. Pick next. So if 262 players are drafted and they give every, every team uh, 10 minutes to pick, you're at 2,620 minutes. It takes forever. Which is which is nobody watches after the first day anyway, which, Oh, except for the dude, the kid's parents who haven't, the kid hasn't been picked yet. Yeah. And the last guy that called him Mr. Irrelevant because nobody cares that he's the last one picked. Uh, what I say, 2,660 divided by 60 minutes. Wait, 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 uh, 2,660 divided by 60. Oh yeah, it's a full week. It, that's 40, 40 hours of drafting. Okay, shit. If if each pick gets ten minutes, oh three minutes. That's what they get. Ta- that's what they get. Three minutes between each pick. Probably. That seems more reasonable. <sighs> the longer it goes, uh, the more trades happen. Oh, there's trade trading starts happening right away too. While dudes are getting picked. Well, yeah, because so sometimes like a team will say, "Hey, I want to trade." like my first round pick for a second round pick and $500,000 or something, or I want to trade you like this person on my team for this round. It's the whole, it's just insanity. Uh, Jessica Valenzuela. Good idea, Jessica for Caleb's internet fund. Well, thank you. Thanks dude. Thanks. Just pay your taxes and then maybe we'll get better internet. Uh, There you go. Uh, After day one, it shortens. All right. Um, cool. Well, uh, I'll see you tomorrow morning. You All then. you guys. Guys, see ya. Bye. Bye-bye. Plus, everyone boos the commissioner. Oh, I'm going to love that. <laughs> All right. Mark Moss, bye-bye.